0: Welcome to the Heart of Money podcast, where we discuss the impact that money has on every area of your life and where you can learn to make smarter money decisions. Join our conversation as we discuss our past experiences, talk about how to make better money management choices, and in the end, make a commitment to being weird. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Heart of Money, episode 63. I'm your host, Austin Block, joined by my co-host, Bob Wessler, here in a few minutes. And I want to encourage you before we start today to leave a five-star review for the show to help give us the exposure, the feedback, and the interest that you have in the show and what you want to hear more about. Also, be sure you subscribe to the podcast to be sure that you get every single episode whenever it releases on Friday. Get it right to your advice. Never miss an episode and stay in tune with what all we're coming with on the on the podcast every single week. So subscribe, leave a five-star review, and we look forward to having you join us each and every week. Now this week we're going to jump into part two of our Atomic Habits for Finances series as you look at the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Last week we looked at the fundamentals of studying atomic habits and why most people fail, why most people don't succeed in successfully implementing new habits. This week we're going to dig into why you need friction to gain traction with your habits, why you need to have a distinction between good behavior and bad behavior and why that is so important in actually achieving success with your habits. So let's jump right into our part two of Atomic Habits for Finances. Hey folks, how would you like to learn the number one secret to winning with money in your marriage? Sounds pretty attractive, right? Well, there's a reason why most couples do not achieve financial success, and it comes down to three main areas that are problems in their marriage and with their money. If you want to find out what these three problems are and learn how to fix those, then sign up for the free training I have at freedommoneycoach.com slash successguide. This video training is going to walk you through the three keys to getting on the same page with your spouse around money. It's called the Marriage and Success Guide, and I know that you're going to learn how you can actually start winning with money with your spouse, improving your money and your marriage all along the way. So head on over to freedommoneycoach.com slash successguide, sign up for your free video training, and learn how to get on the same page with your spouse today. There, There's so much to be said and I, I feel like I'm probably as guilty as anybody about this. there's a lot to be said about having that community of people around you that are supporting you that are encouraging you that are like-minded within that and the interesting part is I've noticed as the you know the older I've got obviously my desires have kind of changed my personality has kind of changed you know the way I talk the way I think the way I act. I have continued to morph and develop and just mature and everything else and there's people that I were you know, were some of my best friends ten years ago, and I don't know if if we could have a conversation today because of of how different we are in our perspectives and our attitudes and and what we believe in everything. not that that's bad, that's just the reality, but there is there is a strong need for community within this journey because let, let's say that you are going to change your family tree when it comes to money and you are going to be the first person to retire early or the first person to pay off your house without a 30-year mortgage or the first person to you know, uh, save up and pay for your kid's college or the first person to pay off your student loan whatever it is you're going to be the first person in your family to do this i can promise you that unless you go find someone else who has done that and who can give you the support and the the guidance and um, the encouragement in that community you're going to have a you may know how to do it you may have learned all the steps all the tactics all of the strategies to do that But you're going to have a really hard time implementing the habits to actually make that happen, Mm -hmm. especially if you continue to only talk to the people that haven't done that and that don't believe it's possible and have no interest in accomplishing that. That community that we center ourselves around, I don't think we give it enough credit sometimes in how potent that exposure can be, how motivating that can be, and, you know, like. Like you said, that those those five people that you center yourself around, um, that is a very dramatic um, result that can happen when you pick the five right people versus the five wrong people. Um, now I could go on and on about just how I've seen and how I've experienced your circles of influence have an impact upon you. But I know firsthand, if you want to make something happen, You got to be around the people that are doing it or it's not going to happen.
1: Yep. That, that goes back to atomic habits law. Number two, join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. So Mm -hmm. tying back to specifically where it is in his laws, of these are the people you want to be around. Now I'm trying to think of the flip side of make it unattractive, um, reframing your mindset, highlighting the benefits of avoiding your bad habits. Mm -hmm. So we go to the side of if I continue down the path of the people that I have been around that don't have the positive mindset, that don't have the goals and um, aspirations, you will have, um, you won't get to where you want to go. So... Mm -hmm. I, I think that's one aspect of it. Now, there's much more to that um, in the idea of making something unattractive. That's more along the lines of uh, goal setting than it is for a financial, from a financial standpoint. Um, I think you can also look at though from the angle of,
0: um, you know, I, I go to just the managing your behavior part of my framework, and and again, it, it all hinges back to that why and that vision. But some of the things that I have walked my clients through is, you know, I, I've got one client that they they are used to entertainment and eating out mm-hmm. and ha- enjoying the experience, you know, the culinary experiences in their area, and just that that's part of, of what brings them joy and happiness and everything else. And they haven't done it in a in a um, irresponsible manner by any means. But it's been a large part of of their financial focus as we've been working together um i've kind of helped them to turn around a little bit to say okay not that what you're doing is bad but let's think about how it's impacting your overall long-term goals is this taking mm-hmm. away from what you really want to do maybe it's not a bad behavior or a bad choice or a bad decision but it's detracting from the habits that will get you longer term success. And that concept in and of itself, because of the why, because of the goal and the vision, those then become unattractive instances. And you know they mm-hmm. have they have since made the choice to where not that they have restricted themselves and made that hard decision to not go out as much, but they have made the conscious choice to reallocate their time and their dollars and stay focused on the longer term plan versus the current enjoyment. And a lot of times I see, you know, those unattractive habits, they're usually based around, I want it now because it makes me feel good. Or it's what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. Or it just makes, you know, it's just fun. But they Mm -hmm. don't think about how does this affect the long term goal and vision. So that's how I always reframe that, you know, how is what makes it unattractive is unattractive because it attracts from where you actually want to end up.
1: Right. And it's usually the the way it's put in the book is the things that are make you feel good in the short term are not necessarily the best for you in the long term. And the things that don't necessarily feel good in the short term are better for you in the long term. Uh, it's mm-hmm. all in how you frame it and how you look at your current versus future state. Um Again, going back to where am I now? Where do I want to be? How do I get there? And what are the steps that move me to that desired future? Right. I think I want to go back to a couple other things in the book simply by looking at the laws. And I'm not necessarily going to hit on one side of the law versus the inversion. But these are just some things that hit me over and over again I was as I was reading or listening to the book. Um, the first law is making it obvious. The inverse of that is making it invisible. Now, I'm going to say from my own standpoint in keeping from spending money, if you make something invisible, it's harder to seek out. So case in point, an Amazon app. There's a reason that Amazon has an app. There's a reason that Amazon used to have buttons. There's a reason that Amazon has Alexa. Yes. The a reason that wherever you go, it tells you you can buy, purchase here, click here. Um, uh-huh. By removing that app from your phone, it's a whole lot harder to make that purchase on a whim. Um, another example is, uh, you know, the guy that's going to go buy donuts and the 20th time around the block, the spot opened up right in front of the donut shop. He just had to make his trip <laughs> around 20 times. If he made it invisible, he would have taken a different route to work and never even smelled the donuts. So Mm -hmm. um, one of the big things about the inverse of that law, making it invisible, if there are things that you know that hinder your progress in your goals, you want to make sure that you keep them out of sight. You want to make sure that they're not within your line of sight. Make that, keep them out of view. Um, The whole idea of it's a complete marketing thing. Anything that is desired is put in front of you. Um, <clears throat> another point is the where things are located in a shopping, uh, in, mm-hmm. like in a grocery store. The yep. high dollar items are center row. The kids' <clears throat> items are a little bit lower, you know, at kids' eyeline. Supposedly, roughly seventy percent of Coca-Cola sales come from in caps. Um, think of that. Yeah, next time you go to a store, where is Coca-Cola? W- who has the gigantic Christmas display? The gigantic 4th of July display, <laughs> Coke and Pepsi both. Um you know, I go to a home improvement store and what is on the end of every aisle when you go to check out is a drink uh right. cooler. So, I mean that's the idea of making it obvious. They want you to purchase their item and it's not necessarily that it's something you want, but it's there in front of you and go, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I'm thirsty. I think I'll grab a Coke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I, I feel like as I you know went back and
0: cause I, I tried to go through this book here probably six, eight months ago for the purpose of this conversation. And I just, I wasn't able to really get into, to it like we are tonight mm-hmm. or just, you know, fully process those concepts like you've been able to. But I remember this was a hard one for me, you know, within that that situation, because it's really easy, I think, for us to create obvious habits within our life, you know, whether it's eating or exercise or, you know, prayer and Bible time or a, a new skill that we want to learn or whatever the case is. But I think it's more difficult to align this to – and I'm, I hope that you can kind of, 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 of walk me through this and give your give your ideas. I feel like it's more difficult to put an obvious situation on our finances. I mean, I know it can be done, but I think when people generally think about money management and finances, the obvious element, I think, sometimes gets clouded over, and it isn't clear and, mm-hmm. is, and as distinct as some of the other laws. Would you agree or disagree with that?
1: I would agree because I'm looking at the, I'm, I've got the cheat sheet in front of me and I'm looking at the, the inverse of the laws, saying there are things that I can speak to on the inverse fairly easily. Um, Mm -hmm. It's the, how to make it obvious, how to make it attractive, how to make it easy and how to make it satisfying or more difficult for me because we know what we want to do. We know what we want to accomplish, but I think it's more of being able to put the stops in place to help us reach those goals versus doing the positive things. Mm-hmm. Because I think, um, you have to have both sides of it, uh, making it obvious. I think there's a little bit of that in, right. And he gets into it at the end, again, the habit tracker, making it obvious you have to know where you're spending your money you have to make it obvious to where that money goes you have to make it obvious to where you want that money to go you have to make your goals obvious to you even if it's sticking a post-it note on the bathroom mirror in the morning um Mm -hmm. you know to put a twist on it i want to weigh 135 i've I've got to give
0: to that point, I got to get this in real quick because <clears throat> this is a perfect example of what you just said. So I had a client that I, I posted this on social media here a while back, but I had a client send me a picture of a sign that I think they had maybe gone to the garage sale or something like that. I can't remember. But it's a sign that said money flows to us in abundance, I, I believe. I, I'll have to double check, but I believe that's what it said. And they hung that sign above their toilet in their bathroom, along with a $100 bill. So every time they go to the restroom and, and use the facilities there, they have this mental reminder, an obvious, very clear, it's right there in front, of them, they cannot ignore it, of how money flows to them abundantly. And that has that has completely changed their mindset and their habits because they have embodied that belief, which has dictated what they have done. So, you know, to your point of of making it where you see it, that post-it on the bathroom window that made me think of that sign, it's just it's right there. You cannot ignore it whenever you go in the restroom.
1: There are so many ways I could take that, but I'm going to leave that one there <laughs> and just go with the mental note of attracting, you know, we had the conversation with Dana Che about, I said something about her husband being a millionaire. She goes, I'll take it. Uh, I'll take it. You know, right. Put that blessing on him. So hopefully right. by now or within a short amount of time, he's a millionaire. And she can come <laughs> back and share that story with us of how I brought that blessing upon them. The The second law of making it attractive went back to the join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. The inverse of that is making it unattractive. I think there is the idea of – and. I'm going to put make it unattractive and make it difficult kind of the two sides of the same coin in that if I say make it difficult, let's talk about friction. We live in a society and we've had this conversation before. We live in a society that the least amount of friction makes money pass Mm -hmm. faster. You know, we went from writing checks to having debit cards. We went from having debit cards to being able to, swipe the card or pass the card over a screen or passing your was an Apple watch that you can pay by f- pay by watch. You can pay by phone. You just tap your phone right. or everything. Uh, other companies you can pay by or other countries you can pay by car. You drive your car up to a gas station and the car pays for the gas there. Uh, over in Asian countries, you can pay by face. Um, you know, how easy is it to Pay for something by smiling, and you don't even know how much money you spent, you just know that the money's gone. The making it difficult is actually and making it unattractive is having cash on hand. Mm -hmm. Um if you're gonna make it unattractive, you are going to use the envelope system because you're gonna know exactly how much you have and Not only are you going to know how much you have, you're also going to know how much you don't have. And when that (laughs) money leaves your hand, how unattractive giving that money over is that you're switching a good or a service for that cash. Um, And when you get to an envelope where you have X number of dollars in it and you get – to where you have spent the majority of it or all of it, there's nothing left in that envelope, and it's very unattractive to you that there's no more money in that envelope to spend. At the same right. time, making it difficult if you're not using a debit or a credit card or any type of, uh, let's say even PayPal, where you're not transacting an actual mm-hmm something of value a piece of plastic Mm -hmm. yes there is some you can see that you're doing it but a swipe is not the same as giving over cash you know you can see that cash going and and if really if if somebody is getting in on the ground floor and trying to take control of their finances they need to do the envelope system because it becomes real You know, you can look at numbers all day on a spreadsheet and it doesn't mean much. But as soon as you only have a dollar left or 50 cents left in that envelope, I mean, Austin, we've had the conversation about your grocery store epiphany. Mm -hmm. Rubber hits the road. That was very unattractive to you.
0: Yeah. And I have, gosh, I just, it's become even almost more noticeable to me lately. Not that we have any problems with our money management, with our budgeting, you know, we, we, we're smart about everything. But I have noticed the fact that I feel some... I feel less pain than I maybe did five years ago when it comes to transacting with my card or buying stuff online. I've done it so much. You know, I, I'm at the point now where I honestly... I. I still use cash, especially for big purchases, like we talked about before, but very, very, very little do I do in daily cash transactions. And I've noticed that while I still buy smart, spend smart, you know, am aware, there is definitely a greatly reduced pain associated with that friction. I'm more Mm -hmm. willing to spend more money now than I maybe was, you know, two, three, five years ago. And some of that's just because I just need to, you know, it's not, maybe not that I, you know, have loosened up, but it's just the way that, that life is now. But yeah, I've, I've even noticed within myself how that continues to um, progress, I guess, as, as you spend more with the car or spend more online, or as you embody all these different Payment technologies, and I th- unfortunately, I think it's just going to get worse. It's just going to get harder. I mean, I'm am I am now seeing more of the buy now, pay later things, and I even mm-hmm. did six months ago. You know, they're, they're showing up everywhere, everywhere. Yep. So good thing we had that conversation then, right? That, exactly. Yeah. Anything that that reduces that time between deciding you're going to have it or deciding you're going to buy it and actually buying it. Boy, it, the more that that's minimized, yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. going to, it's, it can be a challenge. And I, I absolutely agree that without that friction there, you lose a lot of control. Unless, unless you're mentally prepared for it, right? unless you just have that control over your buying power, if you're relying upon the, the pain and the instinctive reaction of, oh, that's a lot of money, it's it's mm-hmm. going to get less and less.
1: And this goes directly into one of the points that I want to make about self-control. The people with the best self-control are those that have to use it the least. (laughs) Yeah. Think about that for a second. Yeah. They don't put themselves in positions where they're tempted to do something. Mm -hmm. I like ice cream. If I don't have ice cream in the house, I'm not going to go get ice cream. Mm -hmm. But if I have ice cream in the house, my self-control is gone. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm eating ice cream. Right. You know, back to the donuts thing. Make it invisible. If you don't go by the mm-hmm. donut shop, you're not going to go by and smell or see the Krispy Kreme sign. Yeah. Especially the smell, more so than seeing the sign. Um, <laughs> well, and, and is, about- is
0: self-control actually something that exists um, I, mean, I, I, know it, I know, I know it does, but from a, a philosophical standpoint, uh-huh. self control actually is something that exists.
1: You know what I mean? It's a discipline. It's a discipline, right? It's something you have trained yourself to to do in some way or or another. Um, going back to the gym example, the self control is you've made a habit of going to the gym, so you mm-hmm. can say that your self control is actually a habit more than the self-control or, you know, the ability to avoid a certain type of food. No, I'm not going to do that one because of the type of person I am or what I have to do to offset making that by eating that item. Um, yeah. I, I think that there is an extent to self-control that, I think from your standpoint yes it, it is it really a thing the less that you put a temptation in front of you the more likely it's really not self-control because you don't have to use it so it's more mm. of a <clears throat> placement dare I say yeah um can you hear that? Yeah,
0: I mean, if I hear that, self control would automatically. And this goes, you know, back to something that we talked about before. But I automatically think of that limiting. You know, you're having to restrict mm-hmm. yourself. You're having to control what yourself would do. You're having to manipulate that situation. Like you said, at the ice cream. Where if it was there, by golly, you're gonna do it. So for me, yeah, you know, that is kind of why I asked that question: is that self control? I see that kind of as a, a negative concept versus that discipline and that training. Like you said, that preparation mm-hmm. creates the opportunity of making that unattractive versus self-control yeah. means I have to resist it because it's still attractive to me, but it's not a good thing. Does that make
1: sense? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and I think that's a fantastic way to put it. Again, you're looking at it versus am I putting myself in a position where I have to use self-control versus do I know what the triggers are and what can I do to set up an environment that allows me to avoid the triggers or to keep from setting off triggers that would move me down that path. Um, The example that he uses in the book is from Vietnam and during Vietnam, the number of heroin addicts. Once they came back to the United States, their addiction greatly leveled off because they weren't get this. They weren't around people that were also heroin addicts. Mm -hmm. The stressors that were in place in Vietnam didn't exist in the U S the environment was completely different so that now I'm not going to minimize the effects that. Uh, veterans from Vietnam had when they came back to the United States because of the unpopularity of the war. But the idea was that they were no longer in a combat zone. So those things that triggered them before were greatly diminished. Whereas Mm -hmm. we talk about rehab programs in the United States now is somebody goes somewhere else to get clean where they're in a sterile environment. They leave that environment two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, six months later, mm-hmm. and they go back to the environment where those triggers and those cues are evident and they go right back to the old habits. Um, another yeah. example was a lady that liked to ride horses. And every time she rode horses, she smoked. You're going to have to explain that one to me. I have no idea what the uh, <laughs> the trade-off there is riding horses and smoking, but apparently <laughs> she stopped riding horses. She stopped smoking Two decades later, she went and started riding horses again, and she had the desire to smoke because there was that connectivity Mm -hmm. between the two activities that never left her. So, there was again, she was in the environment that triggered that behavior. Yeah. And those,
0: this may be something that you're going to get into here in a little bit. But the the triggers element of that book is probably this the second thing that really intrigued me um, and I think that's kind of maybe went into some of that habit stacking that you talked about mm-hmm. but the the whole concept of encouraging the the good things and discouraging the bad things based upon those environmental triggers I found extremely um, insightful and and um, educational and just, Thinking back to, in my opinion, this is probably one of the most applicable parts of the book, um, because you think back to any habit, anything that any um, uh, activity that you have done, you get to a point where you automatically think about that or do it if you're in a certain situation, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. You know, whenever. Um, Whenever I go to do certain activities, I automatically think of certain things. Whenever I think of certain things, I automatically want to go do a certain activity. It just goes hand in hand. And when you mm-hmm. put yourself in that spot, subconsciously, your body just reacts to it. It's, it's part of that, that muscle memory we talked about. But I I really enjoy how he breaks down... Those little triggers, and mm-hmm. what we don't realize makes us want to do something or not want to do it. Um, the simplicity of that. I mean, am I getting ahead of you mm-hmm. here, or is that is that something that? Because um, to me, you know, when, when you talk about triggers, that gets me kind of I'm in that mindset of how do we create these moments and these opportunities where we can find something attractive and make it happen for us.
1: Yep. And I feel like that I need to be right in the middle of this conversation and apologize again to James Clear for just being all over the place with this book because (laughs) we are taking things from all over and and to our listeners. If you have gotten anything up to this point that has just kind of, for lack of a better term, triggered you with a thought of saying, I need to learn more about this, get into the book because he does a much better job than... Austin or I are going to do in reconveying it after replaying it mentally so many times.
0: Well, we'll Um, we'll do a nice structured recap at the end so everyone can follow step by step what he's done.
1: (laughs) Boy, I'm glad you can do that because I sure can't because again, I'm just flipping through the book going, Oh, that's good. That brings this and this happens here. Um, You make the comment about doing one thing in anticipation of a next and One of the points he does make in the book is it's not the actual achievement or getting something that creates the response. It is the leading up to the event. So the anticipation Mm -hmm. of the event is much more um, exciting for the person than the actual event itself. Uh, Vacations, looking up towards vacation – Many people get a whole; they have a whole lot more uh, anticipation of the event up to vacation versus when they're on vacation. Christmas, I've never understood that. In many that. cases, the vacation side I, I just, or Christmas side,
0: either one. I, I've always just I've enjoyed it while I'm there, but leading up to, I guess it's because I'm too busy getting ready to go. I don't think about it much.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think one of his examples in the book is. The somebody at a slot machine, their anticipation of a payout on the next pull is what keeps them pulling Um, Mm -hmm. the gambler in the blackjack, you know, um, something where we're anticipating a win or anticipating something big. And it's that anticipation of it that gets the dopamine in our brain um, Mm -hmm. all excited and just pours on. And it's what drives us towards the thing we want. When you get to the thing you want, not necessarily that's the end. And, and maybe that's the thing about the vacation is, unfortunately, a vacation comes to end. And I really want that second week of vacation versus <laughs> you know going back to whatever I was doing before. So
0: right.